Daily news, breaking updates, and exclusive podcasts. iTricks.com Hello and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Magic Stars Podcast. I'm Justin Robert Young, editor of iTricks.com, and in this edition of the program, we have a very, very special guest that we were lucky enough to talk to. He is the executive producer for America's Got Talent, Jason Raff. He's going to talk to us about the last season, the season that is coming up, the auditions are already on your way, and how you can get the inside track to being a major magic figure on network television. There's no platform like this, and we got the head honcho. You owe it to yourself to listen to this interview, and let's get right into it. Thank you very, very much, Jason Raff, for joining us in the Magic Stars podcast. Thank you, Justin. Now, you guys obviously had a gigantic year for magic last year with uh, magicians going as far as they ever had, uh, being very, very high-profile parts of the shows and in larger numbers than ever. Uh, Was that something that you guys want to foster? Because I think a lot of people, uh, especially in the magic industry, kind of have this love-hate relationship with with America's Got Talent. Yeah, Yeah, magicians and jugglers are the two acts that I think I try to, uh, you know, invite into the show and um, definitely get um, some negative feedback on. And it's not that last year we were looking out specifically for magicians. I mean, we're looking out for all talent all the time and anyone who's unique or different. Um, you know, we're the only show open to any age, any talent. But yeah, I think as someone who's always been a fan of magic, I mean, since I was a kid, I, I always am looking for magicians who who work on our show. And it, it's a tough show to to be on, I think, because... Partially because of the time restraints, you know, most magicians, when you tell them they'll have nine seconds, that is not a lot of time to actually develop uh, an illusion out and make it work. So we, we can say with a, a definitive response that there is no secret conspiracy to embarrass magic on America's Got Talent, no. right? <laughs> no, in fact, I think, you know, we've had some, I think one of the issues is we've had some less technically proficient magicians on. Uh, on the show who have kind of, you know, either mistakenly revealed how an illusion works and it kind of ruins it, I think, for the judges. So then when the same illusion comes out with someone who's maybe more proficient, uh, you know, the judges are like, yeah, we've seen this. Uh, yeah. So I think in some ways the people who are less proficient have, have heard it for the, 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 you know, the magicians who, who, you know, have been doing this for years. I mean, that said, I think why we had a great year is I think that Listen, Murray was on our show three years ago and yeah. didn't last. Didn't last about. He lasted about forty seconds in front of the judges. <laughs> and I think he just. I think he just learned. I mean, look at our show. There's two real different phases of our show. There's the the audition phase, yep. which is in front of the. It's in local theaters, in front of an audience, in front of the judges. They're big places. They're two thousand seat theaters, and you know some magic works great in a theater and some magic doesn't. And then the second phase of the show is. This live TV show, which number one live? I mean, there's n- very few magicians in the history of magic who have performed on live TV. It's not something they love doing. They prefer to put things on tape and and make sure things are 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 perfect. Yes. you know, magicians are that way. They like things perfect, and live yeah. TV doesn't always offer that. So when you get to the live shows, you're you're talking about this again, a 90 seconds when their act is normally maybe some illusion they do is a, it's a five minute act. And they have to try to find a way to get it down to 90. And it's on live TV. 
you know? And so there's really two different magics that uh, it's like almost two different styles. But overall, I would say why, the, why we had such a successful year with magic this year was that the magicians seem to get it and can curb their, their style to fit the show. Yeah, and, it, it definitely seemed like there was a, a, a formula that, that has been kind of being put together in the minds of Magic contestants throughout the last couple of years that sort of came to fruition. The, the idea that there are certain beats that work very, very well, and specifically, uh, I think it, it bore, bore out with Grosso getting the closest to what the Magic playbook should be for future contestants. Right. There was a guy who, you know, specialized more, I mean, highly technical with his close-up magic, which didn't work so well for him in Vegas. As amazing as I, I thought it was amazing. You know, I've never <laughs> seen someone do um, the cards like he did it and as quickly and as smooth. Um, at the same time, when the judges are sitting back, you know, 50 feet from there, they weren't as impressed. I mean, they're not, I mean, the judges are, are fairly broad-based. They see a lot of talent. They're not I mean, we get a lot of criticism that, you know, the jugglers who come on who are, you know, can technically juggle 14 balls and yet, you know, Sharon or, or Pierce just doesn't get it. But yeah. What, what we found is that it's more than just your technical aptitude. It's really, you know, your, your personality or doing things differently. I mean, I heard Nathan on your show or on, on the series of podcasts you do talking about, it's about the story and, and, uh, yes. Ross, you know, had some medical condition, um, and had the, kidney transplants. But when you look at Nathan, who was, again, a very successful magician on our show, his first illusion that he did for the judges was different. I mean, he did a traditional box illusion um, with a microwave, but he turned himself into a African-American man. It yes. was, it got your attention. And I think that is one of the most important things is, okay, do, do an illusion that maybe we've seen, but do it in a different way. Or Dan Sperry, when he did his, um, the close-up magic, which is a fair... Yeah, the simple illusion. Yeah. Uh, yet he had a persona that he delivered very well. Um, he did close-up magic, but we got to do it in a way where he was actually doing it close-up to the judges. Yeah. And it just worked perfectly. So I think maybe we've learned a lot, too, as producers of how, how can we help the magicians, you know, accomplish what their goal is and get the reaction that they want to get. Well, and that's, and that's something that I think... Yeah, you saw the evolution from Grosso in the act that got him kicked off during the Vegas round, where he was doing close-up magic, like you said, fifty feet away, to Sperry. And and you know when when I first was talking to Sperry about what he wanted to do on the show, and he mentioned Lifesaver, you know, as a guy who's watched the show and covered it, I was like, oh man, you know, like right. that kind of stuff hasn't really worked on the show. Like you saw what right. happened to Grosso, uh, but you know that the the you know what made all the difference was he got right. You know, he got right in Howie's lap, and then obviously he got that gigantic reaction that kind of made right, which was possible. Like he couldn't have done that if he came to a theater and did that in the in the in the in the audition rounds. He he couldn't have done that because number one, there's no stairs, there's no way to access the judges. Yeah, the reason why it works so well on live TV is there are stairs and it's more controllable. I have 13 cameras uh, on that live thing. We we rehearse it in the audition phase. Nothing's rehearsed. They just come out, they do their thing, and and either they make it or not. In the live show, we get to rehearse it, and then we, we say, okay, you can come down. You can be right by the judges on the big screen that's behind you. We can put the uh, close-up of your neck so that the whole audience, which is about 600 people, they can see what's going on, and you can get the reaction that you want. So it's just kind of picking the right the right illusion, the right act for, for that time in, in the competition. I think that's, that's what 
you know, all acts struggle with, not just, you know, not just the, the magicians. Now, you mentioned that there was a, an, an evolving understanding for you guys as producers as to how best to showcase these magic acts. Uh, our, our publisher on, on iTrix, Andrew Main, and I were talking about, you know, what we were going to talk about with you on this podcast. And he brought up a very, very interesting idea. Now, as a lot of the other kinds of acts, like the singing and, and dancing acts, uh, go on through the show, the spectacle gets bigger and, and larger. Do you guys have on staff uh, dancing instructors or singing coaches or other people that are technically proficient to help these acts kind of take it to a larger level? Yeah, well, we do have, uh, for singing, we do have, um, all the music is orchestrated music. So we have, uh, we have a music director who builds those, those tracks, which are done with, you know, 36 piece orchestras and this and that. So, yeah. uh, they do get the benefit of that. As far as all the other acts, uh, there's no specialty for say dancing. We do have, uh, what we call stagers, which are, are basically choreographers who help all the acts. So whether you're, uh, a dance crew or or whether you are a magician it helps take your act and transform it to a live tv show where you need to do things a little bit differently sometimes on tv you know you have to figure out which of these 13 cameras is going to best suit what you're doing at that moment in time and these these staging choreographers kind of will help the acts and they i think they helped antonio a lot and michael grasso and murray on yeah we get what you're trying to do but want you think about doing it a little bit this way yeah, um, this might work better on TV because you know we all know TV magic is different than doing it, you know, in a parlor or doing it on stage. It's it's different, and I mean the one thing I will say about the show is as much criticism as it gets for, you know, listen when you sign up you are in a competition you are on a competition with singers and with dancers. Yeah. It's not like all magicians together, but it is really one of the few places on TV <laughs> to see magic. I oh, mean, no, the sure. biggest platform, easily, by right. far, the biggest I mean, platform. It's unfortunate yeah. that it's unfortunate that we don't get the primetime specials, uh, you know, even on cable of, of the magic acts. I mean, I grew up in a time where, like with Doug Henning and Copperfield, where magic was on all the time. Now, if magic's on TV, it's going to be, you know, revealing, you know, secrets on Fox. So at least that we're a platform for, you know, for putting it on primetime TV, which is, I miss so much seeing it on primetime TV. Absolutely. Now, now, real quick, let me just, uh, to go back to the stager thing, would you guys ever consider bringing on people that were specifically uh, magic inclined for a role like that? Uh, well, we, we do work with, um, you know, a lot of times the magicians that we've had on the show are so proficient that it's hard to find someone who um, who will work with them. But a lot of the magicians, including Grasso, and you've had yeah. people show have you know have magic producers who um, we can't employ them per se, but we certainly help with expenses as they go on in the live shows, um, help them get illusions in, or help them build things that they might not normally be able to do you know on their own accord. So we definitely offer assistance, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. it is a hard show where it's like it's not with the different acts if you look at the top 48 it's not comparing apples to oranges it's like apples to kumquats it's just so <laughs> range. and once you try to find experts for each each, each element aspect, yeah right? like jeremy the biker like who who do you find for that but <laughs> i think our i think our, our our staging team does definitely help all transform their act to a tv act and i think we do help in the finances of, of making things happen. I mean, we can't do anything on the show, but, 
when Murray needed help to construct a train, we definitely assisted him a little bit on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because I, I think there, there certainly is a correlation to some of the people. I mean, like, I think Grosso made it as far as he did, including, I mean, he is, he is a fantastic individual talent, but it certainly helped that he had a guy like Rico De La Vega, who's oh, logged yeah. hundreds of television hours uh, as, as a creative force. And I think our show, you know, even looking back at Terry Fader, who, you know, he came on the show and he wasn't even sure what he was going to do the next week. And I think we find out with the magicians a lot. They'll, they they want to they wanna save stuff, but sometimes the best ones don't even try to save stuff. They go out, make sure they get through the auditions and do something spectacular, and then they keep pushing themselves. And Michael Grasso kept pushing himself. And the illusions that he were doing were not illusions that were necessarily in his, his you know, stuff he's even done before in his no. life. Same thing with Murray. Yo, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that... I mean, they push themselves, and those are the ones that are successful, where they, they don't have a full plan of, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the four, you know, you basically need four 90-second acts to win a million dollars. And they didn't start slow. They all started pretty big, and they kept pushing themselves on and on. And, and Michael Grasso, in the rehearsals, like, there was stuff where it wasn't going so well, the illusions that he was doing. Yeah. Because, you know, he didn't, his assistant was available. He had to find, he ended up having to find, as an assistant, he found some uh, some um, women who did yoga in you know down in Venice Beach, and they could help him with this. <laughs> so it is about pushing yourself uh, beyond the limits that even you think you're capable or in your comfort zone. And, and Michael and and Murray and Antonio and even Dan Sperry all, all all did that. Yeah, you know, I think for for me covering it, there is certainly a proof positive that that's the trend that nobody's saving anything because. If they move on that next day, or sometimes before that, you know, if, if you keep your ear to the ground, you're going to hear uh, four or five people tell you that that person was frantically calling everybody in Magic looking for a certain <laughs> kind of illusion. I know. I have heard. I yeah, being just a Magic fan, I have heard. Or remember, I was with Nathan once, just visiting him when we were in Vegas, and yeah. He was having a party, and some of the magic people were there, like, "Yeah, we got this frantic call from this guy, and, and <laughs> on this illusion, and we don't know if we should give it to him." And who's got um, a double yeah. F? You got a double F? Can, how fast can you get it to LA? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It is not an easy show. I am not. I am not going to sit here and say it's an easy show. A singer can come on and sing a different song, and maybe you know, put some violins behind it. It looks differently for for all the variety acts. It is difficult to. Keep within this 90 second. Even in the finale, it was 100 seconds. Yes. So, so to keep within this 90 second format, which is not particularly good for magic, and do something different and spectacular each time is definitely hard. I am not going to say it is not. That said, when you look at the history of our show, and, and our winners have not always gone on to become as successful as Terry Fader, but a lot of the variety acts that we've had on who maybe didn't come in first or, or second have come on, gone on to do great things. I mean, recycle percussion. Uh, a unique yeah. music act that just signed with the MGM. So while and the Nathan, current talk is, I don't know. want to do that show. I'll never win it. I'll never win it. There's no doubt about it. That and and I've heard other uh, folks on on your podcast talk about it. It will affect your it will affect your career. It can turn your career in in the right direction. It can give you exposure, which is hard to get in this in this world nowadays. Massive, absolutely massive platform. And I I would you know and. I would certainly say that, that the risk is is worth the reward, but more so than if you know uh, you had you know Grimm won it uh, this year, and he has a very crowded market to go into 
you know, in terms of singers and even singers, you know, who have won gigantic, massive competitions uh, where I don't think that, you know, if if let's say a magician won America's Got Talent, you guys have a huge machine that you can put behind, you know, winners of, of, of that competition. Right. And I, I think that, you know, that there's there's really a sky's the limit kind of uh, attitude that, that people should take that. I mean, is it really a crazy idea to think that if a, a magician won America's Got Talent that. They could have a cable one-hour special within the next right. year. Right, and months. again, even if they didn't win, look, look who's on the cover of Magic Magazine this this month. I mean, Michael Grasso. He yeah. didn't win. He didn't come in second. Um, but his career is different. I saw him on the, you know, he was on the road now, traveling for the show. And yeah. And what more do you? I mean, to be going around and and traveling around the country performing magic. I mean, that was what his dream was, right? So. Again, I really hope a magician or, uh, you know, will, I hope, I hope to be inundated with uh, magic, you know, this year. Yeah. We've only done Denver so far, and uh, there was not a, not a ton of magic uh, in Denver. I mean, kind of makes sense. But, I mean, we're hitting Los Angeles on, you know, October 23rd, then Chicago, yes. and all before the end of the year. And I, I really hope that um, people at least give it a shot, no matter what they've heard about our show. I think, and I'm hoping that this year does does change things uh, a little bit in people's eyes. Let, let, let's get that info out there. Where can people go find the dates for the America's Got Talent auditions? Uh, I think the easiest place is America's Got Talent auditions.com or agtauditions.com. Either one will kind of get you all the dates. We'll give you a lot of tips on uh, how it all works. And, uh, and yeah, they'll find everything they need there. But we got, we got three cities coming up before the end of the year, and we're adding more cities uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I certainly hope that you guys are going to have a ton of magic acts uh, come through there. And, and you know, let, let me let me ask you this. Do you think that a magician can win America's Got Talent within the next couple of years or next? Week? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think I when you look at the, the, the four that made it to, you know, through to the semifinals, they all had a, a real good shot. They all were, you know, high up in the running and. And, you know, it's just a matter of having, you know, either a, a bad day. I mean, Dan, Dan Sperry, you know, he just didn't have a great day that day and he didn't, he didn't move on. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I heard some conspiracy on one of the podcasts about how we put him up against Antonio. Um, yes. Purpose, which was not on purpose at all. I was like, wanted to yell back, which is one of the reasons why I contacted you guys. <laughs> but it was just a, it, it's just because Dan came so late, you know, in that YouTube show. Yeah. I, I had no idea that a similar act was going to win. So when we were doing the, we had to start building the the semifinals early. So it was just like, okay, well, here's a slot. Whoever whoever makes it to the YouTube show is going to have to end up in this show. And if I could have picked, I would not have put Dan against Antonio or Murray against. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just a way. It's it just the way the kind of it, it all happened. But well, I is that, yeah, that was that was one of those things where we I, I knew that Dan <laughs> Dan was waiting for another prop. You know, yes. the, the, the one he went on stage with was not the one that he would have wanted in a perfect world. Yeah, uh, he had that. He had that built. He had that. He had that built forward uh, based on the. You know, it had to be redone, and and um, it wasn't the prop that he normally used, which was much smaller. Um, and he wanted to make it bigger, and and he was listen of all the of all the acts at least at least you know Murray could could think about it for a while. You know for. For poor Dan, I mean, he came yes. on. It was like a fluke. He sent in a tape. He, you know, he was on the show, and then all of a sudden, he's he's doing a weekly gig on NBC. Like that's not yeah. how you plan your career. You know, you would think, you know, okay, I, 
if I'm going to be on live TV, I, I'd need to think this through for, you know, for months at a time. And he had literally, he had literally no time. And I definitely felt for him, but that was the lucky thing for him is he didn't have to go through the auditions and through Vegas and through everything else. He got kind of a free pass through all that. So uh, I did feel for him and any other acts that just kind of, you know, one day you're sitting at home, the next day you're on the YouTube show, you get a call for the YouTube show, and the week later you're, <laughs> you're again performing live twice in two weeks. So Exactly. You, you uh, are a major character on a hit NBC television show. <laughs> right. But, again, with millions of people watching with the YouTube <laughs> fail. So, But I will say that he and all the magicians this year, it is, it is a good lesson in what will work on our show, like it or not, you know. It is somewhat of a popularity contest. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and and personality and presentation and like Nathan said, sometimes story uh, do help. But I think being a unique performer, doing something different, and we all know, I mean, all the magicians who listen to your 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 podcast, that you know, they they might be inspired by another magician, but but to the way to make it and be a success is to is to turn an illusion into something that only you can do or that you innovated and and it could just be how you present it really and i think that is kind of the key in our show is is presenting it in a way you know like nathan did season one of of this ooh, i've seen something like that before but i've never seen this um or dan just with you know doing a character and just really selling it and then it just all came together and just making yourself unique that is what the success is in our show and i think uh in general all right well uh Jason Raff, executive producer of America's Got Talent, thank you very, very much for joining us. I have one more question that I want to ask you. If you could give one piece of advice for all the magicians thinking about coming out and auditioning on your show, if, if you know, in this calm before the storm moment, if you could have them plan out anything, what pearl of wisdom would you want them to keep in mind? I would have them think about what, like I said, what makes them unique? Why are why are the judges going to be if they've if the judges have seen a hundred acts uh, or similar illusions? What is going to make them stand out? And that is the key. All right, there we go. America's Got Talent. Uh, when are you guys back next year? We're not back till probably next. I don't know May or June. It's a it seems like a long time, but like I said, we're already started and and we do. You know we you know if you can't make it out to an audition, we do. Um, you can send a video in to you know on that same website that agtauditions.com. We'll take a look at um, at your video and uh, and if we like it, we'll call you or we'll ask for more video. But um, but you know whether you can make it to the auditions, you know just give it a shot. I mean Dansbury just on a fluke just gave it a try. It took him what, two minutes to upload a, a video or give us a link to a video, and it paid off pretty well for him, I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and you've heard right from the horse's mouth here, people. No overarching conspiracy to ruin the art of magic <laughs> on national know, well, television. I did enjoy all the... Po I mean, I did... Uh, it was not. It was after the premiere. I heard a lot of the stuff being spoken by other magicians. I was like, oh, i got to check out this podcast because I love magic <laughs> and, uh, uh, and all the podcasts. And, and it, it is great that... Um, You'd have me on. I do appreciate it. Oh, it is it is an honor to have you on. And, you know, I was joking with Nathan when we were covering the uh, the, the finals there that it was it was the closest I think I might ever you know go to doing a, a sports kind of podcast where we're covering you know the, the weekend, <laughs> the week out, you know, reviewing what happened, previewing the matchups next week, uh, and and uh, this will be like our our off season report. Jason Raff, uh, thank you very very much again. Uh, AgtAuditions.com is where uh, you want to go. To put in your video, thank you for coming on the Magic Stars podcast.
Thank you, Justin. iTricks.com.